And it was basically, allegedly, this group of like really rich dudes who owned land like all over the world. Like we're talking, you know, a guy has an island off of British Columbia. Uh, Another guy has like a bunch of land, you know, like in the mountains in New Zealand. Uh, And they they're all mountain bikers. And so they set up these like private trails where they all like kind of went around and, and got to ride each other's trails. Welcome, boys and girls, to another exciting... Wait, 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 wait. Welcome to another episode of Ride the Rebellion Podcast. I was a little riled up because we did it opposite. We did the interview first and then we switched over. Whatever, it doesn't matter. I'm your host, Drew Hall, and with me today, as always, is the king of the Alabama turn, South Alabama turndown. I royally screwed it up. And the acting CEO, CFO, CEO, CDO, CMO of Dale Boyd Sports Management, Dale Boyd. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, I think I'm the only one that's a CE anything and is broke <laughs> and has no money, no oh, income. no, you're the CE bro. <laughs> oh, well, no. dad jokes are free. Um... But, All right, so we'll kick off with our sponsors. We've got a very awesome guest today on the show. Uh, Jeff Barber is the is the editor-in-chief, the founder, the creator, the brains behind Singletracks.com. Yeah. Um, if you don't know what it is yet, then yeah. why are you even on this It's podcast? where I go instead of Pinkbike. As you know, I don't hate Pinkbike. I think it's great, but I like Singletracks more because I feel like it's more um, organic. No. And once Outdoor bought Pinkbike, you know, whatever. But I'm just saying that's cool. If they want to buy us, we're cool too. Yeah. No, no shames. Twenty dollars is twenty dollars. Twenty dollars. Michael Jordan sells <laughs> shoes to Republicans. What is that? <laughs> He's never gonna endorse the Democratic governor because he <laughs> because Republicans buy Jordan's too. That's correct. That um, is right. Some something about Michael Jordan and some shoes and Republicans. Anyway, um uh let's get to our sponsors. So we're gonna hit them off real quick. So of course we're gonna start with Lucky Shot Coffee. Again, I feel like we're a broken record of awesome because if you have not tried it yet, I, I literally just bought more. I had a blind taste test. I did this in the office and I took Lucky Shot Coffee and I put it up against uh, uh, Counterculture, I think it's called, and Stumptown. And all three of us tasted it, right? Just little pours. They made it the way they wanted with their cream and whatever other frothy crap they put in it. Um, I have a lot of women that work here that happen to like frothy crap. <laughs> I drink mine with bourbon. Um, <laughs> I just come out with tears of failed. Anyway, and we sat him side by side, and everybody picked Lucky Shot at the end of the day. Everybody picked that, and they had no idea. And so it's one of those things like, we did the Pepsi challenge, but without Pepsi and Lucky Shot. But it was it was good, and so it totally stands out. It's worth a shot. It's always worth a shot. Oh, my gosh. Man, we are going to get a tagline for Lucky Shot soon. I know. I, know. I, thought, I thought you got to shoot your shot was going to hang. Shoot your shot's pretty solid. Yeah. Yeah. Only got one shot to live. Oh, there it is. Oh, yeah. You need to go. Yeah, we got to go a little more emotional. You yeah. only get one shot at life. Make it lucky. <laughs> start your morning getting lucky. Oh, I mean, you still. Who doesn't want to start their morning getting lucky? Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's a play fantastic. on words. The only thing lucky I'm getting is a cup of coffee. 
that's the other side of the line. It's like one page. You turn the page and it says that. So the one page is like hot chick, hot dude, whatever, hot person. And then it says like, want to start your morning lucky? Only thing you're getting is a couple of shuck off. Yeah. Oh, man. I think that's probably on the back of Casey's like bed clothes, whatever she's sleeping in. Like she stands up. I'm like, oh, girl. She turns around. It's like lucky shot coffee only for you this morning. I'm like, damn. We have gone off the rails within seconds of starting this podcast. I could go further with that conversation. That's all right. We've got a Casey quota mixed in. That's That's right. Important. How to hit it. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. And we're sober. I swear to God, we had one white claw. (laughs) And there ain't no laws. What's up, ladies? What's up, ladies? Um, So our next sponsor, of course, is Dirt Coaster Academy. We had a winner. It was Carrie Johnston. Congratulations, Carrie. We did a live stream about it. She gets to go to Dirt Coaster Academy for free. It's her, a two, her fourth time. Her fourth time. $200 value. We gave it away plus a hat that are rare, really rare and, and all that great stuff. And again, we've talked about it. There's content. Go follow them if you haven't yet. Um, they would love the love. Uh, we would love you to love them, loving us by loving them. And if... <laughs> don't even try and figure that one out. It's a Where's knock. the love? <laughs> I've always wanted to sing in one of these microphones. I'm, I'm proud of you. All right, I might I might isolate it and start that. Oh, I might man. start the podcast with that officially. <laughs> that so if you're hearing this now, I just said it. because Jeff did Barber's it. like, I thought it was about me. Yeah, well, we're getting there, Jeff. <laughs> Sorry. You just hold on, Jeff. <laughs> we got you, bro. Um, and so, yeah, so uh, if you haven't had a chance, head over to DirtCoasterAcademy.com. Check them out. See where there's going to be a class that's close to you. Hopefully one day, Toby will finally hire me to do the virtual version. Oh man, that's a, so shameless, Toby. There's your guilt trip, my friend. Straight called him out. That's how it goes. And I was sober when I did it, so I can't take it back. Um, you want to kick off on uh, old Aaron there? Yeah, man. Um, so I was gone this weekend, and we were at a baseball tournament, and my good friend Aaron, that owns Run and Try, stopped by and recorded his own little commercial at my house. I thought it was pretty cool. Did he really? So. Uh, Probably not going to go out to the public, but I got it just in case, Aaron. We love run and try here, <laughs> and I'll be coming in for those free gels pretty soon. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> for the black oh, you got a little, bri- a little blackmail going on, <laughs> anyway. So, yeah, um, I love run and try. I literally I've gotten everything from my headphones there to my shoes to yep. my sunglasses to my running gear, all of it, um, my biking gear, socks. Hey, if you're even if you're really creative, and it's they've been in there for a couple of years now because Aaron is a Samba member too. Um, he has a pair of Imba socks hanging in the in the store. Love it on the store shelf, and no one's ever bought them. No. And I've, every time I go in, I'm like, "Those are the free socks you got." And he's like, "Yeah, I'm trying been trying to sell them for two years." <laughs> so it's just funny. It's funny to see them in there. But anyway, um, he also has on clouds, ultras, Brooks, Sockney. Um, so I I'd have love some to go waterproof down the brand, ultras but... that I got from him, and they're my jam. Oh, like, dude, I, he had to order them for me, but they I wear them on the trails. Those are my trail shoes. Mm-hmm. So instead of like big heavy boots, like if we're out there, I can just not necessarily when we're doing trail work, but yeah. just general trail stuff. I love wearing those out there, and, and as wet as it is down here, they're fantastic. And your feet don't really sweat that bad in them. Right, they sweat a little bit because not a lot of water. No, ultras are breathable though. They're, they're great. They're great about they're that. super light. They look kind of weird. They look kind of clownish. Yeah. But if you if you guys want a real expert, not just Drew and I, yeah, right. seriously, go check go check Aaron out, and he's gonna, he's willing he's in there every day. And if he's not in there, just wait, he'll be back. But 
he's going to help you and give you an honest opinion about what you should be wearing. And generally, he is so good that you can walk in the door and he knows what shoes you need yeah. because he's just been in the industry and like that's his that's his life. Like he's as passionate about shoes and running shoes as we are about and it's, bikes. And it's not creepy when he watches your gait. Unlike if Dale and I watched your yeah, gait, it's creepy. If we give you a gait analysis, you'd be like, <laughs> "What are these perfs?" And <laughs> we'd have to register where we live. <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> terrible. God. But that's the truth. I love how we just do nothing but drag our uh, our poor sponsors right down in the hole with us. I think they like it. That's why they're on it. That's right. Uh, it's honest and it's fun. That's what we're doing here. All right. So we. Oh, one more thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I've got to throw back in Clean Eats. Thank you. We have not shamelessly plugged Clean Eats. Uncle Bobby got pissed. I got a phone call from him. Dale reminded me. I told him to remind me. So a couple of things about it. So if you're coming through the summer phase, you're going to get ready for the holiday season. My suggestion to you was go ahead while it's hot as balls anyway. And it's like living in a sauna. You can shed more weight this way. Just power through a diet for a month. Try and eat clean for 30 days. It doesn't necessarily mean you got to eat clean eats every day, though you can. It's very cost effective, too. But try and eat clean for 30 days and see how you feel afterwards. And then when the holidays come around, you can gorge yourself and not feel so guilty. (laughs) Or you could. That is not clean eats motto, but I'm just saying that's the kind of commercial they're getting from me. But wouldn't it be way better if you show up and you're like, hey, Aunt Diane, check out my abs? That's true. I mean, give me that roll. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I mean,. It might work. <laughs> I don't have an roll. aunt, Diane. I don't. I don't have an aunt. Well, sorry. <laughs> okay. But anyway, clean eats. Check them out. Yeah, check them out if you have a chance. It's delightful, and your aunt Diane will love it. That's right. All right. <laughs> now that we've butchered all of our sponsors that are never coming back because they love us, now we'll go to the interview. Okay, so we are very excited because we're sitting here with Jeff Barber. Now, in truth, we've. We've already had an interview once before. We hung out together on single twice, track. Twice, because well, we screwed up the first twice, one. You're right. You're right. <laughs> technically twice. We had two interviews. Uh, yeah. That's a long story. Luckily, it was not as complicated as, as the Dirt Coaster people where they were supposed to interview. They came to interview, and one of them broke their arm when they rode our Oh, no. Yeah, on the day of the interview, tra- on our trails. It was nuts. Oh, geez. Yeah, it went south. Good thing you crazy. got those waivers and, and all your legal stuff <laughs> yeah, sorted out, right? It got kind of awkward. I'm not going to lie. I didn't, we didn't know what to do. We were like, uh, hey, listen, we know you guys are cool and all, but you hadn't signed the waiver yet. So <laughs> it became like a Larry David thing. Um, wow. But with single tracks, you guys, the thing that's really fascinating, and, and I think your story is pretty fascinating, and, I, and you, at any point, because we edit our podcast, at any point, if you want to skip something, just be like, I skip it. But I did, and I don't like to give questions ahead because I like to be really raw. That's just kind of our style. You started yep. out. Uh, you've got a military background. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. I was served in the air force for four years. So did you mountain bike during that time frame? When did you pick up mountain biking? Uh, I actually started mountain biking like in high school. Um, some of my friends were into it. I mean, I guess I never really stopped riding bikes, you know, just from being a kid, like riding around the neighborhood and, um, so yeah, some of my friends were into it growing up in Augusta, Georgia, uh, right outside of National Forest. So there were good trails there for us to ride. And so I rode around Georgia um, and the Carolinas. I went to school in North Carolina. And so my girlfriend at the time, now my wife, Leah, and I would go around and ride mountain bike trails all over Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina. She was in school at uh, Georgia Tech at the time. So we would kind of 
visit each other on the weekends and pick out a new place to ride. And so, yeah, I grew up riding Southeast trails. And then once I went into the military, obviously I took my bike with me and was lucky enough to be stationed in Colorado Springs uh, for four years. So, yeah. So, and, and it was a big, big wake up call for me. Right. Like I thought, Oh, I'm a, I'm a good mountain biker. Like I'm really experienced. Like I would rate myself expert level, maybe above that. Um, and then I got to Colorado and I was like, Oh wow. Okay. I need to, I need to maybe work on my skills a little bit more. I can only imagine. We have a buddy that we just met a guy that showed up that moved here from golden. Yeah. He's just, he's just visiting family from golden Colorado. Mm -hmm. And, so it's it's just that that world out there is phenomenal. But yeah. him him he got to ride the rebellion and he gave us some serious serious props about how fun it was. And coming from somebody oh, that nice. actually gets to ride awesome stuff on the regular, it was a good it yeah. was good. You know, it was it was awesome to hear that. Uh, we might yeah, be it was a great endorsement. Yeah, yeah, we'll take it. So you get out of the military and then I assume, or look, I've done a little bit of homework because I like to, I, I told you a long time ago when we met, I thought your story was fascinating and that's why I wanted to have you on the show because it's not just about, it's interesting to me because it's mountain biking gave you something beyond mountain biking, beyond uh, fun. Yeah. You, you have a, a full business and a career and developed and a brand and a lot of stuff. So you get out of the military and, and did it, is it correct? Did you go back in or use the GI bill or something to go through like business school? Is that something you did? Uh, no. Well, so actually, um, I had a scholarship for my undergrad. So, Got it. uh, the air force paid for my undergrad degree and then, yeah, decided to go back to business school. Um, that had always been like my interest really, you know, uh, even in high school, I always looked up to like entrepreneurs and I love reading business biographies and stuff like that. Uh, saw the military as kind of a way to pay for school. And so that was the route I took, knowing that I would have a four-year commitment after going to college. And then, yeah, while I was in the military, you know, I was really just thinking about, like, what am I going to do when I get out? Like, what kind of business could I start? And the mountain biking thing, yeah, just kind of, it had always been a hobby, actually. And, and I got to give full credit to my wife, Leah. Uh, it was actually her website that first started. Uh, she first started a mountain bike website called Mud Honey. And, oh, sweet. Uh, like the band name. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Right. We're, we're Gen Xers. So, you know, grew up in the 90s. And so, um, yeah, it was called Mud Honey. She actually, it was, it, really started before even that it was like a school assignment you know she was a freshman at georgia tech and computer science and they said you got to build a website and so she and i were into mountain biking at the time so she just put up you know a couple pages for assignment and then yeah it kind of grew from there and so we had been doing that the whole time through college been kind of working on it and then uh, of course when i was in the military i i have to say military is a great government job or at least my experience was where like you know I would I would go to work during the day but then you know be home by like three thirty, four in the afternoon and so I could I could ride bikes and then at night I could work on the website and so yeah it kind of it kind of grew from that and so yeah after business school I decided to sort of get serious with it and, and turn it into a business. So we we are obviously trying to go turn our passion of mountain biking into somewhat of a business. I mean, we do this for fun. I mean, we'll sit around, sit around and talk for fun and might as well record it. But, um, yeah. 
So how much passion do you think it took to like get it rolling? You know, like we we experienced some hiccups in like our listeners or our fans or even our friends are sometimes it's really hard to get them on board to like support us. And it's not right. like we're asking for much like, hey, share our page once a month, you know, like just do something. <laughs> and yeah, and I mean, obvi- we haven't t- poured a bunch, bunch of money into it to try to generate much, but we're trying to grow it organically. And can you just explain how hard it was like getting things, getting things going? Because I'm sure you experienced some things at the beginning. Yeah. I mean, before that was probably before the mountain bike boom, the great mountain bike boom of COVID, For right? Sure. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like to joke that single tracks is a overnight success 22 years in the making you know? <laughs> That's fantastic. Like, and actually i guess it's 23 now or if you go back to mud honey it's probably 25 years i mean this is something that it definitely for many many years was a passion project it was uh yeah i mean we we saw a need we did see a need like don't get me wrong that even from the early stages i was looking at it like maybe this could be a business Uh, because we saw this need for mountain bike trail information. And so, like I said, we would travel between Atlanta and Durham, North Carolina, and we're always looking for new places to ride. And it just wasn't easy to find that, you know, you could maybe pop into a local bike shop if they were open, you know, at the time you rolled into town and ask somebody there, you know, hope that the mechanic or the you know, the person who's working the register is a mountain biker and not just a road biker. That's like, I don't know where people ride. So we saw that need that, that there needs to be this, this information online that people can look up. And so that, that's kind of what drove us. And I would say, I would also say it was a different time. I mean, 22 years ago, like there weren't a lot of websites. Like we, timing was really good for us in terms of like being out there and being able to grow it sort of grow along with the internet. Uh, you know, you talk about the bike boom too. I mean, this was the internet boom. Yeah. And so, you know, there was no social media, there was no YouTube, there weren't podcasts. I mean, there was a lot of stuff. Like it was a big deal to get a photo on our website. Like we, <laughs> we literally take like a disposable camera on the trail. Cause we don't want to mess up our, you know, $50 camera and we'd snap <laughs> pictures and then take it to get developed. And then you bring it home, put it on a scanner. And then like, you know, so it was like a big deal just to get a, a photo on a website. So, um, yeah, I would say a lot of it is, was timing. Like we kind of got lucky and, you know, over the years we've, we've definitely had to adapt and, and figure out like, okay, how do we like keep growing this? Because yeah, it's, it's always changing. Well, it's interesting because you guys have pivoted. I mean, you, you've you've had to pivot with the industry itself, not brand wise, but like you've had to make this mm-hmm. sort of shift. Like we go from, um, I always tell the story like 20 years ago, back when I was riding, like uh, full suspension was like a dream. It was so expensive. Uh, <laughs> right. that nobody in the area, we we're all on hardtails. And now it's just kind of like, you know, I know, I know people that seek hardtails because they want the challenge of, at least in our area, the majority of everybody down here rides you know, mm-hmm. full suspension. So there's that sort of the ethos of the world changes. Like everybody's the, the <laughs> truth that they believe shifts and you guys have had to adapt. Well, what are some, what has been some mm-hmm. of the stuff that you've seen that you were like, this will never change. This will be here forever. And then you were like, Oh my God, I got to pivot. Like what is something like <laughs> stands out as like, Oh no, I got to change it. Oh, wow. Um, I mean, I think the biggest one that we have to deal with, like from a business perspective anyway, is like, how do we get traffic? Right. Right. Like, you know, as a media publication, you're not, 
in the business of buying traffic, right? Like if you were going to start a bike shop, even, you know, you're going to buy like ads on Google or you're going to, you know, I don't know, put ads in your local newspaper. No, you're probably not going to do that, but <laughs> <Prince you, dead. laughs> yeah, but we have to figure out how to get it for free. And so over the years that's changed, you know, initially it was search engines and that's where you would get all your traffic. And then social media got bigger and, you know, there's all this traffic to be had from there. And so you start, you know, you don't want to, but you start to like tailor the content to fit like whatever is driving traffic. So you're like, Oh, Facebook likes these kinds of stories. And so, you know, you, before you know it, you're writing a bunch of, you know, clickbait stuff because that's what's giving you traffic. And so, yeah, I think for us, it's always that balance of like, you know, do, how do we get the traffic? Where is it coming from right now? And then how do we like responsibly generate that traffic and like not alienate all of our readers and, and try to, yeah, try to m remain sort of constant and consistent in terms of like how we cover things. It's interesting though, because for me, uh, when I started writing again, like there was, you know, you, you type stuff in, I, and I'm not saying this cause you're here and, and I consider you very <laughs> amazing human being but like literally i hit single tracks first i didn't get on and in, into the uh the other um the color the, the, the cast of the the color of someone's <laughs> cast and that's an inside joke for our listeners but i didn't get into that radio i didn't get into squamish stuff or that those those state those uh websites i was like literally on single tracks the most learning all the stuff because i wanted to bike pack and there's great info there and like mm. you guys did all this stuff so for me i thought it was a nice it was a nice way to grab in and it felt welcoming. And that's again, one of the things that I've seen just in my experience back in is the, the culture of biking has shifted mm. to being more encompassing for sure. But it's also like yeah. very narrow. There's a lot of like little narrow niches inside of the inside of the riding groups. Oh, you, you mean niches like mm -hmm. dudes that build private mountain bike parks and only ride them with themselves? <laughs> yeah, those kind of those kind of niches. Yeah, there's kind of, there's niche a holes like that. Yes. Yeah, for sure. I, and I think one of the, you know, that brings to mind a shift that I'm stoked is finally happening. Well, actually, there's a number of things I'm stoked are sort of finally happening and that we've been waiting for for a long time. I mean, one of them is I think we're seeing this shift in mountain biking away from like the racing culture. Like I think racing is still super engaging and it's huge. And I just went to my first World Cup race last year. Oh, and nice it was amazing. Like it was so cool. Um, but at the same time, like I feel like many years ago, more people who mountain biked, like racing was their focus. And I feel like nowadays it's much more acceptable to like, just ride for fun, you know, like just do whatever kind of riding you like and that's okay. You know, and there are, there are groups that you can get together with and do that. There are events there are trails that cater to, you know, any kind of fun that you want to have. Um, and so I, I think that's a big shift toward this idea of like, I think we're all like trail riders or we all kind of aspire to be trail riders in the sense that we're, you know, most people aren't racing and that's something that we recognized kind of early on. Like that was never our focus. Leah did do some racing, some mountain bike racing, but for me, like that was never why I rode. You know, I've, I've done a few races here and there, but, um, again, yeah, it's always, for me, it's just been about having fun. So we, we kind of, uh, have discussed this recently. We started a discord server, 
Um, just so you saw a need of like having a a local place to find information about tracks that you might single tracks that you might not have known about. Um, we've also mm-hmm. thought like, hey, if you traveled to Mobile, Alabama, and you didn't know anything about mountain biking, you wouldn't. Your experience would be totally different if you got to ride with the locals, right? Like right. the people that know yeah. where to go or the fun stuff to do. So we've actually just discussed and we threw it out on our last podcast that came out last week about. We started a Discord server where different people in different areas could jump on there and be like, hey, I'm a local oh, here. Cool. I listen to the podcast, too. You know, like if you come to uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee, hit me up. I'll show you around. And then it's like, you know, you get a group of like-minded people that you're going you're gonna to meet up with. And I think that it's, a, it's an important thing because your experience could be completely different in a certain area mm-hmm. depending on who you're with. And I've learned that just by going and free balling my way around, stumbling around a trail and <laughs> trying to pull up trail forks or whatever app to try to figure out where I'm at, where I've yeah. gone there again with a local that's just like, oh, dude, this is the line, you know, and it's yeah. it's way better. So um, have you ever thought about like how that could help? You know, like, I mean, we thought about it, obviously, but right. that's something mm-hmm. that is is not talked about a lot. You know, I mean, if you post it yeah. in a random group on Central Alabama Mountain Bikers, you never know who's going to show up. And we kind of joked about that too. Like, <laughs> right. There's some people in our area that could show up soft member yeah. and he's probably listening. Um, but he, it, I mean, no offense to him and we all like him, but if you showed up and didn't know him, you'd be like, Oh, I didn't know I was going to ride with a drill sergeant Marine all day. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's funny. Cause, uh, Matt and I were just talking about that today. Matt's our features editor and, um, he had gone on a trip, uh, recently to ride in a new place. And, you know, part of it had been like coordinated with the tourism group there. And so, you know, as you guys know, mountain biking is becoming more of like a tourism draw. There are places that like they're actively trying to get mountain bikers to come and visit. And we were talking about that, like how, you know, people are being encouraged to visit a place, but then once you're there, like for me anyway, I, I want to be able to connect with the local riders. And there is that disconnect where it's like, you know, who, who is the local club that maintains this trail? And like, you know, how, how can you connect with like a group ride? I always want to know that. Like, is there a standing like Tuesday night group ride that I can join up with or, or whatever? And so, yeah, there's definitely that need. And I think a number of folks have tried to do it over the years. Um, but yeah, it's one of those like network effect things, I guess. Right. Like where you got to have like the people looking for the info and you got to have the people with the info and it's like matching that up. I think discord's an awesome way to do that. My writing group, uh, we started using it within the last year or so and it's great. It's like all day. We're just like trading jokes and setting up rides and yeah, it's perfect for that. Yeah. We definitely feel like it. it's, it's for us a way to, it's not that it's not that anything, we it's kind of like um inside of those those riding groups you try and establish those and you build those out and so for us the idea of having a riding group that understands what the rev is and what we're trying to do and kind of our approach to riding which is all about fun i mean we're 100% fun <laughs> um yeah and so if we can kind of screen them out it kind of just helps not take people away from the situation but instead like links the right people together Cause if you get the right. wrong person in a group, it's not that they're wrong for being who they are. It just suddenly is, it just feels off and then your riding yeah. is off and the fun is off and that's what we're after. Yeah. You're making me think that you could almost just have like a screener and man, I feel confident like 
three questions. You could ask three questions. <laughs> yeah. You could put somebody in the right group. That's, a good, that's like, a good point. And it's like, can you, know, you get through like, this gateway? If you can, then, uh, right. then you're good enough. Well, I mean, I used to have a joke. Right. Everybody would ask, like, how do I join the Sweet Potato Mountain Bike Crew? I'm like, well, do you have any felonies? And if they said no, I'm like, I'm sorry. They said yes, I'm like, definitely <laughs> sorry. You know, like, right. there's, yeah. there was no way to get in. Just be cool. Just be yourself. Yeah. yeah. You know, just come yeah. hang out. I'd, I'd ask something like, what do you do if, if there's somebody slow in front of you? You know, Ooh, yeah. that's a Based terrible question. Say. Yeah. I'd be out of the group yeah. probably. <laughs> well, that's because Dale has a compulsion to be the. He's like, I must go fast. He is Ricky Bobby. Yeah. That is all he is. No, he's the Ricky Bobby of mountain bikes. I've like I've taken on the spider webs just so I don't have to be in the back. <laughs> like the spider webs are yeah. now my friend. Yeah, we we definitely. It's okay. Them. You don't have to enjoy being behind somebody, but if you're if you're yelling out like Strava and you're oh, just trying yeah. to like get around me then i don't really want to ride with you but yeah if you're like hey man when you get a chance you know i want to get around i don't i don't know what i do if someone yelled strava at me because i'm i'm kind of anti-strava like i have it but i don't know why like i don't use it i don't post publicly (laughs) it's like and i i can get the same benefits from the garment i'm not knocking them i'm just saying like the people that take it so seriously if they rode up behind me and yelled i'd probably get off my bike and bow up i probably would just straight (laughs) i'd rip my jersey open white trash style and just be like you want to go and they'd ride away from me i was like that's what i thought (laughs) but i so i mean i'm going to transition from that just because there's so many so i mean uh we live in an area where mountain biking is difficult to say the least like it's not comfortable Mm -hmm. it's not it's not easy. It's you have to fight the elements all times of year, bugs, heat, whatever it is, to just go ride a super flat trail in a look, <laughs> you know, like that's not that exciting. So like, mm-hmm. do you have any advice for people that live in places that mountain biking might not be like overly exciting but to still be cool? Like we're trying to do it through the community rather than the trails. So yeah. any advice for those type yeah. of people because I know there's plenty of them. For sure. And I would tell people to listen to the podcast that I did with um, the Ride the Rebellion guys. Because, <laughs> <laughs> because that's exactly why like, I, I connected, tried to connect with you guys. Because, you know, I could, I could just see that. that that's, that's the deal. Like, you guys live in a place, like a lot of people do, where the terrain isn't favorable for it. And, you know, it's obvious, though, from the videos, like, what you guys are doing to make it fun. I mean, you're building features um, you know, you're getting creative, building the community. I mean, that was my biggest takeaway was that that's a big part of it. I think, you know, I live in Atlanta, which, um, is not, I wouldn't consider it a mountain bike town by any means. Uh, you know, we maybe we have more elevation than you guys and we've got the mountains a little bit closer, but I would say what makes it fun for me is, yeah, again, it, this community, it's like, I, I love being in a big city because in a big city, you're bound to find plenty of people who are into whatever you're into. And so, and, and that also makes your group unique, right? So there's a lot of us, we live, I live sort of close to Atlanta, a few miles from like the center of the city. And, you know, it's an urban area and yet there are lots of mountain bikers who love to ride. And so that's kind of what like, is the glue that holds us together is like, we live in this area that doesn't make any sense for biking and yet we still love it. And so, yeah, let's be friends. So, um, flipping over from that, there's been, I imagine over the years, uh, you've seen lots of, uh, tech trends come and go. You've probably got to test a lot of cool stuff, got to experience a lot of stuff. 
has there has there been things that have stood out to you you're like uh you know that you were super stoked about and then when they finally came out maybe in a release or any of that kind of stuff has there been anything where you're just like oh man what was this either way whether it's good or bad (laughs) was something just kind of like you 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 got you got in industry inside and then you got to actually see it and it was either better than or not met your expectations yeah that's that's a good question um i think i would say that a lot of this stuff, it, it seems really big, like in hindsight, but everything, you know, nothing stands out. And I think maybe that's because a lot of this stuff is, is very incremental. I mean, if you look at like the bike, like when was the bike invented as a hundred years ago, 150, 200. Um, but either way, like it's been refined slowly over time. And if you look at today's mountain bike, it looks a lot like the, the two wheeled bikes from the early 1900s. I mean, the shape, the form, like two triangles, two wheels, the pedals, like it's all pretty similar. And so I don't know. I feel like, I mean, for me, it's easy. If you ask me like, what's the biggest innovation, I would say the dropper post and you guys can disagree with with me, but, but you're wrong. Uh, (laughs) it's definitely the dropper post. And I mean, but, at the time it wasn't like, okay, wow, this is, this is really big because you're like, oh, well, you know, before I could just like loosen my quick release and do that. Or, you know, if you're from the eighties or nineties, you remember Joe Breeze's height, right? Like yep. he had a little spring thingy that you put on your, your dropper post or on your seat post. And so, yeah, I think, I think we're just seeing things like get a lot better and more refined and, you know, if we look back far enough, we look 10 years ago, we're like, oh, wow, that is pretty amazing. But like sort of year to year, I don't know, nothing, nothing really stands out as being like, wow, where did that come from? What's your, in terms of like, when you, when you look through time, like you guys have, you've covered a lot of cool stuff. Have you ever uncovered something that was like, like a story that truly was one of the most unexpected for you? Like where you you or somebody else. I mean, I know you've done a ton of content writing. I know that, but you're the, you know, the editor in chief as well. So like, is there anything that came along through your time, your tenure where you're like, Oh my God, this story, like something crazy that's ever popped up. Yeah. I mean, so there's one story that we never really covered. Um, I don't Hang on. Can I go done. ahead Maybe. and claim the feature rights before you tell the story? <laughs> Cause I'd like to make a movie if it's that good. Let's just see. Yeah, no, it is that good. So there's this, um, I don't know if it's still, I haven't like looked into this story in a while and, and maybe we did write something about it, but, uh, there was this group called the like global mountain bike something group. And it was basically allegedly this group of like really rich dudes who owned land like all over the world. Like we're talking, you know, a guy has an Island off of British Columbia Uh, Another guy has like a bunch of land, you know, like in the mountains in New Zealand uh, and they, they're all mountain bikers. And so they set up these like private trails where they all like kind of went around and and got to ride each other's trails. And they weren't just like, you know, rugged, like, oh, let's go pitch a tent or like, let's go bikepacking. Like they had these like lodges and things built where, you know, they were cooking gourmet pizzas every night and, um, one of the members or founders of the group was uh, allegedly, I forget the guy's name. I think it was Kenneth Dart. So if people want to look this up, but he, uh, Dart Industries is like a 
paper goods. They make cups. I think. I don't know. Yeah, they make, yeah, they make cups. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so, so apparently he was a billionaire and he was one of the members or founding members. And oh then it God. gets really weird because he had some land or somebody had some land down in Mexico and they were building trails or working on, you know, putting some trails in and one of their workers or fixers or somebody was killed uh, in a robbery or something. And so, yeah, it's got like all these, all these interesting pieces to it. Yeah. And so I don't know. Yeah. That was one that I was like, Oh man, dude, I literally have goosebumps right now from that story. I'm not even making (laughs) it up. That's the kind of stuff that you, to me, I have a, my background was originally in journalism. So like I hear those, my brain just goes immediately wild into the, the digging on all those kind of sort of it's like a secret society no, my que- my my yeah. mind went immediately went to what do you think their three questions were to get into that group <laughs> no joke. how much money do you have yeah, yeah. Net I mean, worth. So was, no. what's your net worth uh, so stay-at-home yeah. dads are out i guess <laughs> yeah yeah oh, that's i don't know but you guys have land now i mean I, maybe that's all it is like you gotta have some private trails and you just trade oh that'd, that'd be pretty be awesome i'd yeah, be, that'd be really cool yeah but yeah, I mean, so to be clear too, I don't have a background in journalism. Like I, I studied engineering. Um, and so my mom's a writer, uh, as an author, but I, you know, no formal training in it. Didn't start single tracks wanting to be a journalist or planning to be a journalist. But, um, so when, when I first heard this story, I was like, we need a journalist to write this. Cause I was not prepared or, you know, still I'm not somebody who, who would take that on. And also, secretly, when I heard that story, I was like, I don't want to screw this up because I want these guys to invite me to wear right. their pads. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's why I never, never pursued it. But, uh, it's the truth yeah. is, as a, like, this is no joke. I had somebody offer me, they needed me to film the exterior. I'm getting to a point with this. They needed me to film the exterior of a family dollar for something, right? And they're <laughs> like, oh, well, the closest one we have in this stage of, of uh, construction is in Bentonville. And I was like, I'll do it. And Ooh, I'll, I won't yeah. even charge you. I'll waive all the travel <laughs> fees. Just get me up there, pay me my fee to go, and then I'll get your footage in three or four days. And it was one of nice. those things of like, I think in our brains, we're businessmen. Like, I run a business, you run a business. But if there's a way for me to sneak in some mountain biking, <laughs> I, like, right. you don't want to sell out the rich guys because you want to go ride. I get it. Yeah. I didn't want to piss them off. I just thought like, oh, you know, if we get big enough one day, they're going to be like, oh, let's invite this Jeff guy. He's He's cool. <laughs> that's fantastic he's not gonna pass me for strava yeah <laughs> so is there when you look through you know career-wise like obviously you've developed other i'm sure ancillary businesses and products i think if you're an entrepreneur you, you can't just have one I, I i just don't they're like lays potato chips you can't eat just one um right. but as you go through and, and you look back on on your career with single tracks i mean what is it I mean, that's a pretty big leap that you took an idea and developed it. And again, like you said, it's, you know, 25 years in the making with Mud Honey involved. But when you guys look through that, what is the, what's the accomplishment that stands out for you personally? Like, what's the one that, you know, on that bad day, sometimes as an entrepreneur, I, I have to dig in and look at the one thing <laughs> at the moment that keeps me going. Yeah. Do you have one of those? Yeah, uh, it's a tough one. Yeah, it, there are a lot of ups and downs for sure. And um yeah. I mean, I hate, it's hard too. you don't want to like rest on, on the laurels of your past success and say, yeah, we made it, you know, we did it. And so, yeah, I'm constantly like criticizing myself and saying, why, why aren't we bigger? Why haven't we done more? Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, 
I think the part that's gratifying is just seeing kind of the influence that we do have at any moment. And, you know, we'll have days when we're like, oh man, nobody's clicking any of these articles. Like people, are they done? They don't, they don't want to see what we've got anymore. (laughs) And, you know, but then sure enough, like a week later, yeah, we, we write something and a lot of people click on it. So, um, yeah, I think you just got to remind yourself of that, that like, you know, for one in the media business, for sure, you're only as good as like your next best article. And so like, we're constantly trying to make sure that the things we cover are the things people are interested in and that we do good work and, you know, just hope that, that we get recognized for that. And, and yeah, usually you do. Yeah. So, so like you do a lot of work, obviously constantly putting out content. Do you get to ride much? Like, do you go ride yourself very often? (laughs) Uh, I mean, probably not as often as some of our readers. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, I wish, I wish I still had that government job where like, man, I'm not kidding. Like in the air force and maybe other military branches, like part of your job is, is staying in shape. Right. Makes sense. And so I would, I would literally be like, Hey Colonel, like I'm going, going for a mountain bike ride. And he'd be like, cool, physical fitness. And so like, yeah, I never had more time to ride than, than when I was in the military. Um, and so, yeah, these days I, you know, with a family and, and a business to run, yeah, don't definitely don't get to ride as much as I would like to, but, but at the same time it is my job. And so I can, you know, play hooky some days and, you know, I, for me, a key part and, you know, all of us are busy. I mean, everybody has got a lot of stuff going on and finding time to ride mountain bikes is tough. I mean, it's, it's pretty amazing actually when you tell people who aren't riders, like how much time is involved. Cause you're like, Oh, well I got to pack up my gear and, you know, make sure the bike's working. And then I got to drive to the place and then I'm going to ride and I got to cool down and have a beer and drive home. And, you know, I mean, that's half your day. That's a short ride. And so for me, I've, I've had to like, make time in my schedule to say, look, every Tuesday night, you know, that's, that's when I go mountain biking. And so, um, yeah, every week, Tuesday night, that, that happens regardless. And then, you know, like everybody else try to get out on the weekends. Um, and then, and then, yeah, sometimes I can make an excuse like, Oh, I need to go film a video segment or take some pictures of this thing I'm reviewing. And so sneak in a a third ride during the week. What are your, um, in no particular order, because I, I I mean, obviously you've been in the game for a while, you've traveled a lot and done that. What are your top three rides? Like where, where are your top three rides? Like right now you could, you just set it up, right? You don't get a lot of time, but we're going to give you the time and you get to pick three. <laughs> what would those, what would those three be? Yeah. Well, all right. So I'm, this is you asking me this question is payback because I asked this to like most of my podcasts. Yes. And they're always like, ah, I don't know. I can't just pick one. So, all right. So I'm going to do it just to prove it can be done. Okay. So trail 401 in Colorado, that's, that's been my go-to for a long time uh, that I would tell people is one of my favorite rides. And Lee and I did that one uh, just before we moved away from Colorado, just before we left. Uh, It's a trail in Crested Butte. It's super beautiful, not anything technical at all. You like do a fire road climb up and then bomb down some really uh, smooth buff single track, but it's just beautiful. Like the views and the wildflowers in the summer. 
to me, that's, that's one of my favorite rides for sure. Um, then I would say, you know, I've, I've got to pick one of my local trails and for me, it's a trail that, that doesn't exist anymore. It's one that got bulldozed in the last couple of years, but it was called the Pullman trails and somebody built these trails. We don't really know who built them. Uh, oh, but wow. they're kind of on this vacant land that, um, hadn't been developed sort of a forest had grown up in it over time. And, and somebody had just started building these trails. We actually did meet. I eventually met the person who built them, but, um, but yeah, had been riding them for years and just really loved riding there. And, uh, yeah, that was a, a Tuesday night staple for us. And then, Ooh, see, now you got me, got me on number three. Um, man, I don't know. I mean, it's probably something else out West, like to me. And that's not to say that like the trails in the West are any better. It's just the scenery being an East coast guy. It's like, you know, I, I just like riding somewhere that's really different from where I live and what I'm familiar with. And so, um, but actually, no, I'm gonna take it up to, to BC. I'm going to say Whistler bike park. I mean, Whistler is amazing. Like if you, if you ask me like, yeah, legitimately, like what is the best place in the world to ride? Like, huh, I would have to say it as cliche as it is like Whistler, Whistler's just amazing. And the bike park itself, but then, you know, there's all kinds of like trails around there that are a little more natural and raw and yeah, just beautiful up there. Yeah. That's a, I mean, that's uh, it's a pretty good list. Like I, <laughs> I, I hate that the one group's gone. I just drove by the trails that, um, I grew up riding and they just bulldozed them. And it was like, really, I, I, oh, I had to stop and look at them. Like we didn't ride them anymore. They had been kind of abandoned because they were something like 20 miles. And then it got cut back to like eight miles. It was a massive mm-hmm. drop. But uh, even then I rode back through there one day and, and kind of same vibe. And to see that stuff go away. I, now I do not know who built those. And I don't think anybody does. They just were kind of always, they were always there. <laughs> and so yeah. uh, it's one of those, I hate, that's cool that you at least got to meet somebody on those. I always find that fascinating. I mean, that's that's the two idiots on this call with you right now. One yeah. day, somebody's like, we don't know who built these trails in the middle of one of the worst neighborhoods in Mobile, but they did it. But they used pallet wood for half their features. Yeah, that's exactly it's still right. still there. Right. And this guy, too, everybody you know in our riding group, because there was a group of us that would ride these regularly, and we all loved them, and I think most of us would agree that they were some of the best, and you know, we'd always say, oh man, we need to buy this guy a beer. We need to buy him a beer. And you know, yeah, you, you have that like appreciation for the, the trail builders and yeah, a lot of times they're anonymous. Yeah. I'm with you on that. Did you, uh, do you have a preference on, on sort of the trails that have changed? Are you, are you a hand cut versus machine? Do you have a preference? Uh, no, I don't really. I, yeah, I like all trail. I mean, they're different. They're a lot different, right? Like you can go fast on machine cut stuff and, you know, really get into a good flow. And, and I also enjoy the technical challenge of, of riding hand cut trails. So I don't know. I mean, the one thing that I, I'm not a big fan of is, you know, like super wide machine cut trails, like stuff that just doesn't look natural anymore, you know? Um, so, yeah, I mean, if anything, I, I want something that, that still looks like a trail and is not just like a giant dirt road through the woods. I get it. 
So this is a question that I think every mountain biker like secretly sets back and hopes somebody asks them. Like I think <laughs> I do. I know Drew does. Oh no, I don't know where this is going. I know everybody does. <laughs> what do you ride and like some of the specs of it? Like I, I mean you know? Oh, I get it. Yeah, yeah like, like yeah, what, you want to name drop your brand. I yeah, get it. you want to tell yeah. everybody about your bike. Like you spent a lot of time yeah. putting it together, and I mean, I that's do. True. Yeah. It's like, hey, if Nobody I go, I want that. somebody. And I yeah. never ask people. I need to start. That's asking a good that on question. I mean, you know, somebody. Yeah. Yeah, I said it. No, let's talk about let's talk about the judgment that's real. If I see somebody like, and I see a bike rack drive by, and I see bikes on the bike rack, I'm like, oh, you know, look at that guy. Yeah. What do you ride? What are you riding there? That's an old track. What are you doing? Or or I'll see somebody that's like literally riding a bike in the neighborhood, and I'm judging them. I'm like, that's that guy's probably only yeah. motive for transportation. I'm like, you need to fix those tires. Yeah. Your chain's a little rusty, sir. <laughs> yeah, all right, but and legitimately, what what do you ride? Uh, so my main bike that I ride, yeah, a lot of people probably be surprised, but I I only own. Let me see if this is right. Yeah, I only own one mountain bike, and it's a hardtail, and it's an orange P7. So Ooh. it's like a 29er steel hardtail that I've had for uh, five years or so. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm constantly putting different parts on it, so the spec is going to change a lot. I mean, right now it's got some Reynolds carbon wheels on it uh, with the Hydra hubs, um, 12-speed drivetrain, naturally, uh, and a dropper post. I don't know, nothing fancy on it. You know, I, I yeah, keep it pretty simple on my own bike just because I'm always testing, like, people send bikes for us to review, and so I'll ride those for a couple months and then send them back. So, yeah, a lot of people that I ride with don't know what bike I ride. <laughs> like, like they would That's ask awesome. me that same question. They'd be like, what? You know, I'll show up on the orange hardtail and they'll be like, oh, is that a new bike you got in for testing? Like, no, <laughs> I've had this bike for five years. It's like every other bike is this bike, right? Like, so, yeah. I mean, that's kind of funny, though, because I only know some people by what they ride. Like somebody will be like, hey, do you know this so-and-so? I'm like, oh, no, what do they ride? Like that's the question yeah. I have to ask. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm totally with you. Yeah. Was there anything... Yeah, definitely. Is there anything that you kind of know our community? I mean, we're, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, it's grown a bit, but is there anything that, um, we should know, and this will kind of tee up our clothes here, but is there anything that we should, that you wish we would have asked or you wish people knew that about biking or about, about what it's like running single tracks or whatever it may be? Is there anything that you wish you could just kind of part of a grand piece of knowledge to somebody? I know that's putting you on the spot, but you're a very wise guy. <laughs> And I think you can handle that yeah. question. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, it's cliche, but I, you know, I think it's always wise to, to do what you love. And so, yeah, I mean, start with doing, doing what you enjoy doing and, you know, don't, don't worry about trying to make money with it or whatever until you need to. And well, and maybe not even then. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah, I think, I think for me, that's, that's kind of my, um, I don't know. I, I also think that luck is a big part of it. So yeah, I'm not the best one to answer that question. I don't think in the way that the people normally have it answered, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think you'll get far by doing the things you love, but at the same time, that's, that's no guarantee that it's going to work out. Um, and so, yeah, I just say, as long as you're enjoying it, then that's what matters. Uh, see, I'll echo it. Cause you, you mentioned luck and I'm a firm believer that luck is being ready to jump at a moment's notice. 
That's what luck yeah. is. So if you're doing what you love, you're ready to jump right then when that break comes along. Right. So I'm with you. I think it's yeah. a great answer. I think that's a. Per- I think that's probably the most honest answer I've ever been given when I asked that question. <laughs> Not being obsequious, like truly, because you you didn't you didn't bat around and come up with some stuff. You were you were coming from a place of truth. So that's awesome. All right. Well, if that's the case, then we will let you off the hook officially. And uh, thank you for reciprocating the uh, the joy in the conversation of, of coming back around and, and letting us talk. I appreciate it. Uh, thanks for being an open book for us and all that kind of good stuff because, you know, we're just two idiots that ride bikes. So when we get to see somebody that's figured out how to make money doing it, we got we to gotta try and poach your brain as best we can, you know? It doesn't yeah, mean we're going to make yeah, money. Likewise. Likewise, we're still trying to figure out the YouTube thing. So, yeah, we'll help each other out. We know a guy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Send him over. (laughs) Um, All right. Well, if there's anything else, uh, then you guys can check. uh, If you haven't been at this point, if you have not been to singletracks.com, then I don't know what to tell you to do, but to go to singletracks.com and just hang out, read some stuff, enjoy. There's a lot of information there. But Mud Honey's gone, right? Uh, I think if you type it in, we still have the domain, mudhoney.com. I oh think if you type God. it in, it might go to something. It might lead you down a rabbit hole somewhere. <laughs> yeah, don't Google it. Yeah, just have fun. <laughs> and then uh, if you are one of the rich dudes that are part of the uh, Dark Cup family, we would uh, the yeah. three of us would like to ride with you. We'll trade you. Yeah. You get to come ride the Reb. Yeah, <laughs> you can come ride our, <laughs> All right. our nine miles. That'll for work. Your, yeah, yeah. I'll take it. We don't have gourmet pizza. It's Tostitos. <laughs> and we microwave it on site with a the generator. They're nuclear hot, though. <laughs> don't worry about it. You'll be burned for life. All right. Well, Jeff, thank you again for hanging out. Yeah. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, thanks, guys. It's a pleasure. All right. So I think Dale and I, at this point, pretty obsessed with this million dollar, a billion dollar uh, mountain bike club. We'll just fake it. We'll fake like we are in the group. Yeah. And be like, I think we should just start it. Yeah. Our island's way smaller. Yeah. Our planes are smaller. Our pizzas are smaller. So I was going to mention Our bikes this. are the same. I was thinking about this, though. Do you notice how we open the Reb, right? And we have proximity near water, mm-hmm. right? Near some water. I like and it. And then the city of Mobile gets letters shipped out to all of them <laughs> that there's suddenly new chemicals showing up in the water. What if they... What, what, if it's from, what if it's from us riding our bikes in proximity to a large body of water? We just tested and, the water. And, and we uh, have tainted the water. They're like, there's so much sweat. There's like no. human sweat in it. And stand sealant. No tube sealant seems to be the number one, oh the number one deterrent in the water. Oh, Oh, oh boy. And they've contaminated the entire city. Anyway, I just thought about that the other day. I was like, man, what if we did it (laughs) this whole time? It couldn't be us. We got to stop peeing out there. Uh, That's exactly it. We got to get a porta potty. (laughs) So, our new sponsor, I'm just kidding, (laughs) is Let It Go. go. Why is there not a porta potty company called Let It Go? And I would have Elsa and Anna on it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. The guys are, no, that's both girls. Got to have Olaf. Olaf and Anna. You gotta I mean, have a boy and girl, two of them. I guess, but I mean, I would still poop in a girl-themed porta potty. Are porta potties gendered anyway? It's better than leaning against a tree. Yeah, it's hard to poop in the woods. Mm-hmm. We need a five-gallon bucket. Another topic. You gotta dig a hole. Not a sponsor. <laughs> five-gallon buckets. <laughs> Pooping in the woods. Not sponsors. That's right. Um. All right. Well, we've gone rowdy again. So yeah, but I, I like to just close on this. I really appreciate Jeff taking his time. I mean, he's a busy. Legit, yeah, legit person in the he's mountain bike industry. Yeah. He's not us. 
No, no, he's top of the food chain. Right, and we yeah. are just guppies down here like, hey, shark, can we get a ride? And, yeah. I mean... We're like, like sucker fish. Yeah, we are suckers. But I think it's it was cool for us. It was a cool experience for us. Like, you guys, we we're like kids in candy shop just talking to a dude that's connected to the mountain bike industry and right. the world, and it's awesome to get to ask him questions, and we apologize if we didn't answer your questions that you would have asked, but this isn't your podcast. So. Well, if you join the Discord server, there's you a could Discord get your, server. That's you can right. get questions in there. Maybe we'll start posting who the next guest will be, and you can lo- preload questions. That's a good idea. But you got to do it on the Discord server, which I don't even know how to give you the address aside from go to the stupid. Uh, it link. works. There's people joining it. So yeah, there it's are working. people joining it. If you joining want it, joining to, it. the information's out there. You got to go do yeah. some work. Working. Yeah. And also don't forget, like the Discord server eventually is going to be the community hub that we hope to have where it's like, hey, I'm going to ride in Chattanooga who's up there from the Reb. Then all of a sudden, you know, you don't get murdered, but you have fun and maybe get murdered. Either way. With alcohol, craft beers. Craft beers. But yeah, so please, please be a part of our community. Be like, I know some of y'all are our friends. But still, you guys got to do this too. Yeah, like we need help everybody. Yeah, we need your help just as much. Everything grows exponentially. I mean, Jeff even said it. That's one of the things he took away too. So again, thank you for Jeff for being on the show. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for all the support. It's been tremendous. We had a great number of people for the uh, for the Dirt Coaster Prize. Part of that's because it was probably a pretty good prize. (laughs) Yeah, it's better than our hats we give away. Better than hats, but hey, that's still I would wear them. if you guys would like to follow us on social media, if you're not already, you can just go to at Ride the Rebellion for all the things, except Twitter. We don't tweet. We uh, tweet. We're not Twitters. We're not Twitters. But you can get us on Instagram. You Wait can get till us on- when we start our OnlyFans, we're going to have to go on Twitter. I'm all about the OnlyFans. We should do an OnlyFans only at the Reb. So you have to be a, to see the back behind the Ooh. scenes. Like if you join the OnlyFans, you get to see the pin location Ooh. and you get to see like the actual GoPros of the That's trails. That's a bad idea. And maybe somebody's b-hole while they're pooping. Yeah, you got to do that every once in a while. It's OnlyFans, man. You got you to gotta play by the rules. All right, All right now we're much. done. That's too much. That's too far. Have a good night, day, whatever. Peace out, party people. I'm going away. I'm going away. I'm going away. I'm going away. I'm going away.